Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Thorpe is coming in, gold in a world record. The birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. Ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. To this is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. Hello and welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life, made possible by our great friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Sam Edmund here to celebrate the life of a West Australian football icon who gave Victorians something of a glimpse of his profound ruck talents with Essendon in the 1970s. Graham Moss's four-season stint in the red and black sandwiched in the middle of a marvellous Claremont career saw him win the Brownlow medal and three bomber best and fairest. He was a skillful, mobile ruckman with a prodigious kick and he joins us today. Graham, welcome to SEN. Thanks, Sam. Great to be with you. Now, you well and truly mastered the craft, the ruck craft, when it came to footy, but have you mastered the isolation and social distancing craft, Graham? It's a crazy time at the moment. It is a crazy time. Um, I guess one thing in my favour, I've just sort of recently, recently retired, so um, I was leading a fairly relaxed life anyway, and now it's become even more relaxed, but um, it's not too bad in Perth. We've got you know, wide-open spaces here, so even, even though... Um, you know, there's all the self, social distancing requirements, et cetera, et cetera. We can still go to the beach and uh, there's plenty of room there and have a swim and the weather's been been fantastic. Miss, I suppose, seeing the grandkids a bit, although we do see them uh, from time to time. But um, no, it's, it's, uh, it is challenging times. Um, of course, on the footy front, we're all waiting to see whether we can get a season in. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not too bad over here. No, I'd see you paint a, quite a nice picture of it, actually. Uh, my sympathy is, uh, has been tempered somewhat for you. But uh, we were just touching on your honour roll off the top, and, it, and it's one that must make Eston supporters to this day still shake their heads and wonder, what if? I mean, if they had their way, Graham, you would have displayed your wondrous talents at Windy Hill for longer than between 73 and 76. Yeah, well, I, um, I I thoroughly enjoyed my time in Melbourne. I mean, the footy over there is fantastic. In, in those days, in the you know, early 70s, um, the VFL was the, and Victoria and Melbourne was the, the mecca of football in Australia. And uh, I guess as a youngster growing up um, and uh, developing my game in, in Perth, I was a dream to go to Melbourne and Essendon gave me that opportunity, which I, I grabbed. And uh, certainly, as I said, I enjoyed, I enjoyed my time there, as, as did my wife. But uh, there was a set of circumstances that be, uh, came up at the end of 76 where I was offered a, an opportunity to go back and, and coach and play and captain coach Claremont, my old team. And I'd always thought that at one at some stage I'd go back and finish my football career there. And uh, this was an opportunity that uh, presented itself. And I thought if I didn't grab it, then it may not present itself again in the future. So that's the main reason I headed home. Yeah, we'll come back a bit later in the program on the events of 76 and what your motivation was for going back. But when you came here to Melbourne, you were 22. You were already a state player at that age when the Bombers got you across across in 73. What 
what was the genesis for making the move? You mentioned that the VFL at that time was seen as the mecca, but the gap wasn't as big as it is now, obviously, between the top-tier competition and the waffle. So what was the main motivation? Was it one that you always wanted, a move you always wanted to make? Um, I, I, I wasn't, yeah, I wouldn't say I always wanted to, but uh, I'd, I'd uh, been playing for four years with Claremont. I started in 69 under Dennis Marshall, who was my first coach. He'd just come back from Geelong. And he, he coached for me for three years, and then Verdon Howe took over in the, the last year in 72. Um, we played in the grand final in 72, and unfortunately just got beaten by East Perth. But Essendon approached me, or at least 12 months before then, and um, as did a couple of other clubs. Um, but Essendon um, were able to offer me a, a position. I, I just graduated as a, as a civil engineer, and I uh, was looking for for employment in, in that field. and. Essendon were able to offer me a, a job with the Department of Civil Aviation. Um, a chap by the name of Sir Donald Anderson was the Director General of the Department of Civil Aviation in those days and also the patron of the Essendon Football Club. And he was able to pull a few strings and, and your know, career was your, your number one priority um, in those days. Football was something you just played on the side because you loved doing it. Um, and also Alan Hurd, who was the president, who's James Hurd's mm. grandfather, was... Uh, the president of Essendon, he was a director general of the Department of Education, and my wife Robin, my new wife Robin, newly married, um, was a teacher, primary school teacher in Perth, and he was able to organise a petition for her. So it all just came together well, and um, they and made they, it they easy. Yeah, they did. So it was, um, you know, I was able to come to, to Melbourne uh, and fully full time employed as a civil engineer, which I love doing, and, and Robin was able to continue her teaching career. Um, and um, the added bonus was I got to play for Essendon, which was fantastic. Now, that's a lot of what you spoke about. There's the off-field component of it, which is obviously important for you and very, very important for your wife, Robin, but the on-field component of it. Now, you, we're going to speak a bit today about the late, great Polly Farmer, who you were coached uh, early in your career. Now, his move from East Perth to Geelong is celebrated. Obviously, that took place in the 60s. In your mind, did that lay out the path in some way for you to follow? Well, um, it did to a certain degree, but Polly had returned to um, to Perth from Geelong and uh, was captain coach at West Perth, and uh, I played against him in my first, I think, two years in 69 and 70 against Polly, and uh, I was just awestruck by his ability to you know to, to leap, use his body to get front position to, to palm the ball or, or grab it and handball to his rovers running past, and, and I modelled my game off his to a certain extent or to a large extent really and uh, I remember you know I, I, as a young gangly ruckman I'd be running around the, the field like a chick with its head cut off trying to get hit the ball and Polly would just cruise around and know exactly where to be at the right time um, so yeah I, I, I modelled my, my, my just playing career off, off Polly by using the ball uh, using the body to to gain the position and, and be able to either palm it or grab and handball the players going past. So mine was a sort of a, uh, a, a rucking role where I worked very closely with the, the Rovers and uh, and used my handball to, to an extent and, and I guess modelled my, my game off Polly. So, Graham, your lob at Windy Hill as a 22-year-old. Now, what sort of reaction did you get from the Essendon boys at the time when you did arrive? Because I think um, your teammate Don McKenzie had some pretty clear advice early days, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, I arrived in Melbourne. Um, my wife and I arrived in Melbourne in, in early 73. Um, it was as hot as hell. We, we were training at the showgrounds 
uh, in those days of pre-season and it was hot and Tuddy was the coach and uh, was a fairly tough disciplinarian. I remember he, he wouldn't allow us to have a drink of water from the time we stepped onto the training track to when we finished and when you're training in you know, 35 to 40 degree heat, you trying to quench your thirst. But, um, but, um, but there were uh, irrigation or reticulation points around the ground and they used to have a little puddle of water around them so when he wasn't looking, we'd have a little swig. <laughs> Times have um, changed, haven't they? Yeah, times have changed, yes. Uh, and uh, we got to... But I was very well accepted by the by the players um, and pre-season. In fact, it was, pre-season wasn't a lot different to what I was used to. Um, and then we got to practice match time. And I remember in, an intra-club practice match where I was playing against Don and he gave me a, a little whack behind the head and said, uh, you're going to have to earn your position here, mate. And and uh, off we went. But, uh, and, uh, you know, I... I, I I played second fiddle to, to Don um, as a ruckman in that first year, um, but uh, he, he was he was great and has become a, a good friend friend uh, over the years and still is today. Um, but he, you know he, he he sort of made it quite clear to me that I had to earn a position, uh, which uh, I ended up doing. And what was your early observation and and I guess your observation across the four years, Graham, of the difference? I guess the standard difference between the two competitions. I mean, was there one, and was it noticeable between the VFL and, and the Waffle back in that day? Well, I think the biggest difference was that you were playing in front of big crowds every week. I mean, I, I, in Perth, I, I'd be we'd average crowds of about you know maybe eight thousand. Um, sometimes you get a lot more if it was a, a game of the day, but. In Melbourne, I remember my first game. I, in fact, I, I, I really, up until that point, I didn't do it. The first game, I wasn't really convinced there was a lot of lot of difference between uh, you know footy in Perth and footy in Melbourne. But when I ran out the ground, it was the game against Richmond at Windy Hill, uh, first game of the year, and uh, I ran out in the ground and the, and the onto the, the ground and the, the roar from the crowd was probably about twenty eight thousand people packed into Windy Hill and. Uh, the roar just never never stopped from from go to woe, and I remember lining up in the forward pocket because Dom was uh, the number one ruckman, and there were the cheer squad were chanting Graham Moss, Graham Moss, and I thought, cool, what's all this about? Um, and and I think that's that was part of the difference. Uh, you you performed uh, to your best every week because you were in front of a big crowd that you know could go up to sixty or eighty thousand in certain games, and uh, it just lifted everybody's performance to, to a level that was. Um, sort of superior to, to that of what I've been used to, but you're right. I mean, the, 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 I remember going when we went back to Claremont and, and after Eston, and we played a few. Um, I think they're called Escort Cup games in those days. And, and uh, Claremont, we we beat I think St Kilda in one game and almost beat Hawthorne in another game. So the the standard of football from individual VFL teams to Waffle teams wasn't hugely different, but uh, just the fact that they, you know you play before big crowds lifted your performance. Well, we mentioned Don McKenzie, who made it clear to you you have to be pretty good to take his number one ruck spot. As it turned out, you were quite handy. And when you did inherit the number one ruck spot, Graham, you won the best and fairest at the club in 74, 75, 76. You thought you'd top it off uh, by winning the Brownlow in 76 as well. But one thing that we don't often mention is that you'd earlier finished second in the Brownlow in 73, I think it was, and third in 75 as well. I mean, how do you look back on that four-year stretch, particularly your last three? years at Essendon uh, obviously the peak of your career looking back on it oh yeah I, I would say so although you know I, I did in, in enjoy coming back to Cameron and, and winning a premiership in 81 that that was probably the, the highlight of my career if I, if I looked at it over the over the journey but mm. uh, um, 
I, I guess it was a, a lot easier for Ruckman in those days um, to to have a dominance on the game from time to time. Um, I mean, if you look at the 70s, there were, I think there were four Ruckman that won Brownlow medals in that decade. It was myself, Gary Dempsey, Glenn Thompson. The game was such that we could we could exert an influence on the game by not only you know centre bounces and, and boundary throw-ins or bounce downs around the ground at ruck work, but also getting marks, uh, taking getting kicks and handballs. You know, if I didn't finish up with about 12 marks and 10 handballs and half a dozen kicks, I'd, I'd play a pretty poor game. But the game was such that you could you could you could run forward um, if you wanted to and, and uh, attract the ball or. You could play a kick, play a kick behind the game, and and um, like Gary Dempsey used to do, and, and uh, just take mark after mark as the ball came down, because it was a, a game where players used to kick long to, to contests, whereas now it's a much more possession game where they don't kick to contests, they kick to a man by himself or who's making position by himself. So the game is too fast for Ruckman to get mm. possessions. Their main their main influence is, is centre bounces and bounce downs around the ground. So. Yeah, I I, um, I was able to, I guess, read the game well enough to to get possessions, and that I guess that's what attracts the umpire's attention when it comes to to voting. I guess, Graham, the great players always adapt. You know, if you could pick up a, an amazing player in one era and plop him in another era, most people seem to think they would be able to a- adapt. I mean, but do you look at look at it now and think, gee, I'm glad I played in the era that I did. And, and do you have some sympathy for, for Ruckman nowadays that they perhaps can't have the same influence on a game as what they would have uh, in years gone by? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I I, um, I used to thoroughly enjoy, you know, the contests um, with opposition Ruckman, um, not only at, uh, in ruck work, but also, you know, marking contests and, and getting possession of the ball at, it doesn't happen to that degree anymore. The game is too fast for, for Ruckman to to get uh, to, to get possessions. I mean, they just they just don't look for Ruckman anymore because the it's a series of handballs in in a congested area to get the ball out, and then players running forward, or you just kick into a space because everyone's everyone's no one's forward with the game anymore. They're all always around the ball. So I do. I do think it would be frustrating for Ruckman, although I guess you, you grow up in an era where you, you don't know any difference. So, um, and I, I'm not so sure that they get the enjoyment out of the game these days. And I'm not just talking about Ruckman, I'm talking about all the players that, that, that we did. Um, you see players, a lot of players just go onto the ground and, and, and work their guts out for run like hell for, for six or seven minutes and they come off the ground for a spell and then they go straight back out again and do the same thing um, Week after week, it, uh, to me, it, it, it would lack the enjoyment that I think we got out of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We've just lifted the lid on the amazing career of Graham Moss. Up after this, we might ask him, I guess, his motivation behind leaving the Bombers and those early footy memories in Western Australia. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back. We're chatting with former Claremont and Essendon star Graham Moss for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Well, Graham, you were still at the peak of your career, very much so when you sought that clearance back to Claremont as captain coach in 1977. And, well, the Bombers, they had no choice but to clear you under the terms of your contract. What was the main motivation behind the move? Simply an offer that was too good to refuse, it looks like. 
Well, it, was, it yeah, it came out of the blue really. I'd, I'd finished the season and um, and I got a call from the, the president of Claremont asking me if I'd be interested in coming back to Claremont to not only play but to, to captain coach the side. Um, Mal Brown was the coach of Claremont at the time, and uh, he'd incurred the wrath of the the, um, the administration in, in in Perth by putting a player back on the ground after he one of the reserves players after he'd taken taking him off. In those days, there was no interchange, so uh, yeah. he he, um, he broke the rules. He was ahead and, of his time. Um, he was, and uh, he got banned from holding any official position for twelve months. So um, Claremont were looking for a, for a coach. So I I. Reflected on my situation at that time, with um, my wife and I just had a son, um, and it was about one year old. I think when I won the won the Brownlow, I thought, well, if I don't grab this opportunity now, it might not present itself again. And uh, and not that I had a burning desire to coach, but I just thought, well, I, I can develop that that part of my my football career. And uh, so yeah, I decided to go back and um, spent the next. 10 years basically coaching Claremont playing for eight of them and uh, coaching them for 10 of them so it was a sort of a, a um, I, I, as I said before I, I loved my time at Essendon uh, I loved playing the football um, had a lot, met a lot of friends that are still a lot of friends today um, but it was just an uh, opportunity at that time to, to move back and individually I mean you might have left Essendon Graham but the, individually the hot streak continued you won Claremont's best and fairest every year from 77 to 80 I think that gave you seven consecutive club champion awards which is amazing but you touched on this earlier the premiership with Claremont as a playing coach in 81 that, that must have given you enormous satisfaction yeah it did we'd um I got back in 77 and, and uh, we had a bit of a rocky start to the season and but we, we had a lot of young players coming through, both from the country and also from the metropolitan area, and we gradually developed those. And uh, by the time we got to uh, late 70s, early 80s, we, we were starting to, to you know perform very well. Um, and it all culminated in a, in a premiership against um, um, South Romantle, who ironically was being coached by Mel Brown, and we beat them in the 91 uh, grand final uh, we had a lot of talent in our side, as did as did South Fremantle. Um, some of them are household names, but here in, in Victoria, we had the Cracker Brothers playing for us, and um, Warren Ralph who played with Carlton. We also had uh, other players that, had, that went on to play football in Melbourne: Steve Alex for Hawthorne, uh, Wayne Blackwell, I think, for Carlton, um, Mike Aitken for Carlton, and a number of others. And, and South Fremantle had. Uh, some amazing talent. They had Morris Rioli, Benny, Benny, Benny Lagona, Stephen Michael, who was a champion for Ruckman in, in Western Australia and never went to the VFL. Um, so it was jam-packed full of talent, both teams, and uh, it was a, a crackerjack game. I, I still watch it from time to time, and <laughs> I reckon you put it up against the game of AFL football now, and it, it beats it hand down, hands down for in terms of a, a classic game of football. Oh, fantastic. You can still dust that off and, and watch it. Speaking of yeah. going back in time, what are your earliest footy memories, Graham? both as a, a kid playing yourself and wherever that may have been, and then also watching your heroes play and pulling on the boots for, se- for yourself. Was it always football or were there other sports involved as a, as a kid? Uh, as a kid, I just fell in love with football at a very early age. I think I probably started playing um, junior football in about grade five when you were sort of, you know, 10 or 11. And uh, um, used to love that. We had you know, junior football on the weekends. Uh, I played with uh, in the Claremont District 
just really loved it. I remember going to the 1964 Grand Final. Uh, Clem played East Fremantle and all my heroes that I'd go along and watch every sad base on the banks at, at Clemwood Oval, watching some of the you know some of the players that play at the time. Um, going around, I, I caught the first train to um, Subaco Oval at 6 a.m. on the morning of the 64 Grand Final to join, hop in the queue to save a place for my mum to come, and so she joined me. And with the gates open, we rushed to the forward pocket and got a got a seat on the on the boundary line and watched the Claremont beat East Fremantle in the dying moments of the game. Uh, so I just you know I was in love with, with football and in love with Claremont. And then I got an invitation to go down and play for what was then called the Force Competition, which was basically an underage competition for Claremont. I played in a premiership in that year, and then that was in '68. And then in '69, Dennis Marshall, as I mentioned, had come back to coach Claremont, and he invited me down to join the, the pre-season training squad, league training squad. And um, I got my first league game for the first game in, in uh, 1969, and, and uh, played ever since. And you played at 196 centimetres, Graham. As a kid growing up, did the height come quickly, or were you a late uh, bloomer in that respect? No, I think I must have been a late bloomer because I don't think I played a lot in the ruck in the underage football. So I was more maybe Sonar Ford or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just uh, I probably put on a few inches later in my in my teenage life, and uh, I was I was pretty gangly and gawky in those days when you just look at the old photos I think oh blonde how, how do I get, get away with playing against you know some of the players that were going like Polly Farmer and, and uh, Blue Foley and others that uh, were giants of people and I remember my first game, my first year at Essen I lined up against John Nichols like he was in the, the forward pocket and I was in the back pocket or vice versa and uh, he was a giant of a man, fairly, fairly daunting. Well, you're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll be back after this because we've spoken Claremont, we've spoken Essendon, but Graham Moss made a profound impact on state football as well with Western Australia and Victoria. We'll have a chat to him about that on the other side of this. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. I remember the the Victorian runner coming on the ground with about five minutes to go giving messages to Victorian players from, from Brassi, I think was the coach, uh, Victoria. I wonder what the message would be. And he said, the message was, if you buggers don't win this game, or don't, if, you, if you buggers don't kick a goal in this last quarter, you're walking back across the, the Nullabar. One, one, this could be second, or could it? The crowd says yes. The goal umpire says yes. And another goal on the board to WA, Lou Richards. Here's a chance for George Young. George Young, about 20 metres out. He's on his wrong foot. He's right foot towards goals. Looks like the Victorian bench, the runner resting his head in his hands with the phone. He probably doesn't have to put it up against his ear. He can hold it about two feet away from the noise that Barassi would be making, I would imagine. A loud tuck in. Siren is gone. There goes the siren. Western Australia have won, and won brilliantly. The final score, WA, 23 goals, 13, 151 have defeated Victoria, 8-9-57, and Bob is superb. Great to have your company. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We're chatting with Claremont and Essendon great Graham Moss. Well, Graham, you made your debut for Claremont in 1969. You are 18 years of age, but the following year you were representing WA. Now, that's a pretty rapid rise, to say the least, as a young bloke. 
Now playing against men, how did you find that adjustment to step up to state footy? Um, yeah, well, it was it was a, certainly a, a major step up playing for Western Australia. I think we held our, our own against um, you know the South Australians and the Tasmanians, but it was always uh, a real battle against the Victorians. I mean, they had some great ruckmen, some of whom I've mentioned, like Lillian Thompsons and Gary Dempsey's and Sam Newman's and Don Scotts that were were big, powerful men, and um, um, it was uh, fairly daunting lining up against against them. And uh, I, you know, I played for Western Australia for three years before I came to Melbourne, and then uh, was fortunate enough to be picked in a, a few Victorian sides, which uh, really was an honour. And 1977 against the Vicks, we just played a little bit of audio there. It's often referred to as the game that, I guess, WA footy really came of age, and there was a lot of homegrown talent that had been nicked by the VFL in previous years that pulled... Uh, the black and gold back on, and what did you win by? 15 goals on the day, a huge win at Subiaco. What were your memories of, of that day? Yeah, that was the uh, inaugural State of Origin game, which um, uh, was planned for the the, uh, the week after the VFL Grand Final, and was, that was a, a year that there was a drawn Grand Final, so it had to be pushed pushed back another week. But we were all looking forward to you know this State of Origin concept uh, as it was then, and uh, we had a number of players coming back from Melbourne, ex-West Australians who were playing in Melbourne and uh, I'd recently returned from, from Essendon and I was very proud to be the captain of the, of the side and Polly Farmer was the coach so it was great to, to have him coaching the side and we, uh, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, I think one of, the, one of the, the differences between in state football before State of Origin was the, the big V was sort of you know regarded as the the powerhouse and a lot of times I reckon Western Australian teams were almost beaten before they went out on the ground. We'd run out on the ground, the big, big V had come out with the you know, the dark blue jumper, the navy blue jumper with a big white V across the, the front and uh, we, I think some of our, our, our hearts dropped. We, we, as I said, we probably felt we were almost beaten before the game started but it was a different scenario with the state of orange because we had probably half a dozen players that were currently playing in, in Melbourne, representing Western Australia. There was probably another three or four like myself who'd, who'd played football in Melbourne and were now back in Western Australia. So that um, that fear factor sort of disappeared. And uh, I remember the first quarter, um, looking at the scoreboard when the siren sounded for quarter time, we were, I think, six goals, one of the Vicks were nothing. So it was, <laughs> it was a great start to the game. And we just continued on. And with that form, and I remember well, late in the last quarter, the Victorian runner had come out on the ground, was going into every player. Uh, I wonder what Barassi was coach of, of uh, Victoria. I wonder what message Barassi was sending out to his players at late in the game when we were about you know, 90 points in front. And uh, when he came out to the player I was playing on, I heard him say, um, Barassi said, if you let the Barsers beat you by more than 100 points, you'd be walking back across the Nullarbor. So that was the, that was the message that came out from Barassi. But we were at, went on to win by just over 90 points, I think. And uh, that was the, the start of State of Origin in Australia and obviously picked up by the NRL later on. But there were some great games, uh, State of Origin games played thereafter. And you, you had a good day yourself. You won the Simpson medal that day for, for, for best on ground. And what did you go on? You went on to make 23 appearances for WA um, as well. So you had a great, uh, as I said earlier, a great relationship with State of Origin footy. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, we, it was a couple, a couple of years where we played carnivals um, in various in various states. And uh, that was always good to have, you know, the state, the state size from 
around Australia get together um, and uh, play against each other. And, uh, you know, state football was, was fantastic. Um, I remember one game I played when I was playing for Victoria. Victoria played, this is pre-state of origin, um, Victoria played WA in, in Perth at Sivak Oval. And I played for Victoria. I, I managed to kick a few goals. And I think one or two of them late in the game won the game for Victoria. Uh, my mum wasn't impressed and uh, she, she refused to respond refused to speak to me for a number of a number of weeks after that game. But, uh, <laughs> this is the thing, being, I guess, growing up at a, as part of a different generation and where we only had a bit of state of origin before it uh, sadly fell by the wayside, I can't get my head around that a proud West Australian like you pulled on the big V jumper five times. Well, as I said, it was an honour to be to be picked in the Victorian side. I mean, that that is the, that in those days that was the ultimate of the ultimate. Um, not only was I playing for a VFL side at Essendon, but here I am playing for Victoria. Um, and we, I remember we played a few. Oh, I can't remember all the games themselves, but I think we played South Australia and Sydney for some reason, and that was interesting. But uh, we, yeah, we played. I think I might have played two games against West Australia during that time. And, we would have won both of them, particularly the one in in uh, CB. Uh, I don't think I was, I was the hero, uh, the hero of the West Australian crowd. I think I got a few boos when I ran out the ground, but uh, you get that. You just go on and play. You know, alongside the Lee Matthews and the Gary yep. Dempsey's and all those other great players, you you uh, you tend to lift your you lift your game yourself. Indeed. Well, I think you were the hero of the West Australian fans, though, in 76 when you won the Brownlow, because I think uh, you created history, the first West Australian to win the award. I mean, was that something that um, you were aware of at the time? Oh, yeah. I was um, I was extremely proud at the end of the end of the night to um, have won the Brownlow, and I think I might have said in my speech that I was extremely proud because uh, I thought I was representing Western Australia. Um mm. In being the first West Australian, it was a, it was a great night. I, I, it was more of a relief than anything else because I was the, the media favourite going into the into the counter at the Southern Cross Hotel, and and uh, I was as captain of Essendon. I was up on the the manual leaderboard on the stage, and those days they had, they had a, a leaderboard where you had to put the vote. The captains had to put the votes up as they were counted out. So. Here am I up alongside Tuddy on one side. He was back with Collingwood in those days, and I think I don't know who was coach of Carlton, but uh, um, they were all up there, and I'm putting votes up as they came out, and had to put quite a few up for myself, which was fairly handy. But uh, I was I was was more of a relief than anything else uh, once the night was over that all the media hype had now ended, and I'd won the award. And as I said, as a as a proud West Australian. Not only did you have to put the votes up for yourself, you had to put a lot of them up too, because that that was the first time I think there were two sets of votes from each game you yeah, won the right. count with 48 <laughs> yeah yeah it was double normal so you could say it was 24 i guess in, in today's count yep. peter knight was was runner-up i think i beat yeah. him uh with, a, with the last the last round in those days he used to stage the voting so that there was a was a grandstand finish and but the year i came second uh i was leading with one round to go and and keith Creek got up and beat us but uh that was okay i wasn't i was i didn't go along that night thinking i was going to get any votes and when I got quite a few ones I was, I was quite surprised I thought that was it for me but um, anyway so yeah um, it was uh, fairly nerve-wracking being up there um, as the night unfolded. Yeah it would have been amazing though so as I said um, pretty handy uh, set of names on the leaderboard Peter Knights you mentioned the run-up Francis Burke was up there as well Gary Dempsey uh, Barry Cable Gary Wilson and I think a bloke by the name of Lee Matthews came in Equal 10th, so not a bad-looking manual leaderboard for yourself. Yeah, well, um, as I said, it was the year of the Ruckman those days. Len Thompson had won it 
before me. Um, so at Gary Dempsey, I think, in the 70s. Um, so I was probably, I think it was the third Ruckman of the 70s. So, to one, I, know, I think there was one other before the end of the year, that, uh, the end of the decade, that uh, won a Brownlow medal. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a, um, a great era. Well, coming up next, we'll turn our attention to Graham Moss's involvement in the establishment of the West Coast Eagles. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Great to have your company here on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today, we're celebrating the incredible journey of Graham Moss. And Graham, that journey of yours, it had another chapter when you left Claremont in 1986. And you actually became an integral part of the birth of the new VFL club, the West Coast Eagles. Uh, Take us back to that time. It must have been, boy, enormously challenging entering uh, a new club into the competition, which was still at that point, obviously, the VFL. Yeah, it was. It was uh, early in '86. It was mooted that there could be an expansion of the, the VFL to, to form uh, a national competition, and um, Western Australia and I think South Australia and Queensland were offered an opportunity to to, uh, to bid for a license. There were two two licenses up for grabs, and as it turned out, uh, Queensland and uh, through Brisbane and uh, West Australia through, through Perth um, were successful. Um, so once that decision was made, to, I think it was about October 1986, West Australia Football Commission had to then set about putting a, a team together and uh, they did it through a, a, a public float. Uh, it was a public company called IPL that was going to own the licence to, to field the Eagles team. I was approached along with John Todd and Ron Alexander, who were, we were sort of the, the leading coaches in West Australia at the time as to whether I'd be interested in coaching. I, I declined the the opportunity because I'd, I'd coached for, for 10 years at Claremont and felt that still be involved in football but look at the, more of the administration side of the game. I put my hand up as uh, the inaugural general manager, CEO, and uh, fortunately was, I was offered that position. Ron Alexander was was uh, appointed the coach. So my main role in those early days, and this is what I'm talking end of October through to the start of the season in, in April, where are we, 87, uh, was to get a team together, both on the field and off the field. Ron had a selection panel and they would um, give me a list of players that they wanted me to contract. So, and some of them were, were expats who were currently playing in Melbourne at the time, but my job was to get around and, and uh, sign up the 35 players that were allowed to sign up. That was the extent of the list that we were able to put together. I think the Vicks were a bit scared that we'd uh, come up with a, a very powerful team in, in year one and, and win everything, But uh, so they did their best to introduce rules and regulations that restricted us. They were very happy to take the, the uh, I think it was a $3 million licence fee, which I think saved a few of the Victorian clubs at the time, but uh, then they put every barrier in, in, in place to, to make sure we weren't too competitive. Uh, I think we were allowed about six expat West Australians um, to sign that uh, were playing in Melbourne, Ron, uh, sorry, Ross Glendinning, 
appointed the captain of the side, yeah. and he he, uh, he came back and he helped us um, in terms of recruiting expat players. Phil Narkel. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, looking through that round was... one side against Richmond here in '87. Yeah, you got Chris Lewis there, Mark Zanotti, Dwayne Lamb, Alex yeah. Sashenko, uh, Adrian Barrich, Michael Brennan's there. So yeah, some it was a good side. Yeah. You were 11 and 11 in in your first season, which you know you look at the expansion sides now, and albeit you're coming from a a, a footy stronghold almost in in WA even back then it was a wasn't a bad effort first up it was it was a good effort um i mean yeah we, we contracted all the players and, and then I, my job was to also put forward put together off field team physios and trainers and and the, the like doctors and and uh, we also had to try and find a training base where we, we were excluded from any of the waffle uh, grounds um so we we're training out of the at the boot of a car for, for most of the most of the first year um at various other suburban grounds but uh yeah we we performed well i think the biggest difference for us was that we we, we invariably went at home on subiaco oval which was uh, a nice firm sandy ground um whereas when we traveled to melbourne um, we were playing at you know windy hill Moorabbin, western oval uh, some of these grounds that are notorious for being boggy and, and wet and a lot of the West Australians who hadn't experienced playing football in, in Melbourne uh, weren't used to those conditions. And I sort of liken it to a racehorse that um, you know, mm. performs like the, the wind on, on a firm track but uh, can't perform on a, on a wet track. And, and that was the biggest issue. Uh, it wasn't so much the, the travel. I think the players enjoyed jumping on a plane together and travelling and staying in a hotel for a couple of nights and you know, really bonding as a team. But the actual you know, conditions that, were, that they were playing in foreign to them so that that uh, didn't help them when we were playing away and uh, but you know to, to win 11 out of 22 was a good effort in the first year you must have got a huge amount of joy in seeing the side flourish not long after that uh, under Mick Malthouse you know the grand final in 91 the premierships 92 94 and the fact the side just became a juggernaut through those uh, early 90s yeah it did and I, I think uh, I think the appointment of, of Mick was a fairly significant one uh, Ron unfortunately was you know, replaced after the first year, which was very harsh on him. And John Todd took over for a couple of years. But I think what Mick brought to the, the team was a, a um, an experience of, of you know Victorian football. Um, he coached a lot in the, in the VFL, and um, he was able to, to bring the disciplines in that were required to, for us to you know to match it with the, with the Vicks. And um, yeah, it was it was great to see the. I, I'd left the club after the first couple of years, I think, and uh, it was great. I did a bit of rock coaching for Nick when um, when he came over, um, but it was great to see the team just develop and um, go on and to become the powerhouse that it that has become. And it's uh, it's uh, it's, a, you know, it's a great credit to the you know, the, the football, the, the players, and the coaches, but also the, the administration who um, have um, been very very good in terms of building up the the financial base of the club and it's helping them through this current period, that's for sure. Well, Graham, we mentioned, uh, well, you mentioned off the top that you're just entering into a new phase of your life in retirement. What are your thoughts in watching, observing the game now, the modern day footballer and, and the state of the game itself? What are your uh, feelings towards it now? Well, I, I think uh, coronavirus aside, I think I think the state of the game is in, in, in fantastic uh, state, you know the the AFL have done a great job in in expanding with the competition to 18 teams, to you know, securing huge broadcast rights. Most of the clubs are in a reasonably sound financial position. Um, 
I think the, the players in the modern era, because they're, they're now fully professional, are, uh, are supreme athletes in terms of their fitness and their skill. Um, but I'm I'm not so sure that the game is uh, is the type of game that that Australian rules is supposed to be. Um, it's become more of a possession game where where most players on the ground are, are surrounding the ball, uh, which adds to congestion. Risks aren't taken in terms of possession. It, it it's always goes to a player that um, has, has created a bit of space, and I mean you you don't see any contested marks these days. It's all uncontested possessions and marks. So that I think the, the the game as a spectacle, true Aussie rules game as a spectacle, is is diminished. Uh, but in saying that, you know there are certain games that um, that just flourish, and you you um, you sort of shake your head in awe at the, the way the players can can play at the, the level that, that they are. But uh, yeah, I just I just find that it, it lacks the the, uh, the contests that we used to have, uh, marking contests and, and player on player contests that uh, from bygone era. But Got to, got to keep up with uh, the modern era, I guess, and uh, they're certainly setting record crowds in terms of attendance and, and television audiences, so the people love the game. All right, Graham. before we let you go, I want an answer here, a straight answer. Now, you're a Bombers Life member in 2015. In 2004, you're inducted into the West Australian Football Hall of Fame. In fact, you're elevated to the status of legend in 2006. You helped set up WA's first our VFL, AFL team, the West Coast Eagles. So when West Coast is playing Essendon on a Friday night and you're just settling into the recliner back home there in Perth, what scarf have you got on? Um, I don't really have a scarf, I don't think. I I, uh, <laughs> I follow football for, out of interest. Um, I enjoy good games of football. Um, if Essendon are playing, uh, playing West Coast, then... I'm not cheering for one team or the other. I'm, I'm just looking forward to a, a, a great game of football, and there has there's been some great games of football uh, over the years with Essendon and uh, and uh, West Coast. And I think Sheedy's created some traditions along the way of, of, yep. uh, of the scarf waving and all the rest of it. So Essendon and West Coast have always had great. Uh, Rivalries, and I hope that will continue. But uh, you know, I'm 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 just happy for whichever team wins, and as long as it's a great game of football. Well, we have to thank you, Graham. It's been a, from my perspective, a really enjoyable walk down memory lane. You've had an amazing journey in football. So thanks for joining us on this is your sporting life. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Sam. Thanks very much. Graham Moss, absolute superstar uh, in Western Australia and here in the VFL, of course, in his magnificent four-year stint at the Essendon Football Club. You've been listening to This Is Your Sporting Life, all made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll catch you next week to celebrate the journey of another sporting icon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.